Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast, where we continually seek everyday enlightenment for the benefit of ourselves and all other beings. I'm Ron Powell McLean, and I'm here with my good friend, Danny Hobart. Today, we're talking about Enlightenment 101, how to find your enlightened, interconnected self. Hey, Danny boy. What's going on, Ron Powell McLean? How are you? I'm pretty darn good. I got, I'm glad to hear that. Got, I got my walk in early this morning. Little extra, little extra steps. Pretty good. I've been doing some big boy work, which That's is good. good. It's good, but it's not fun. But it's good. Well, necessary. Fun is always, you know, a good addition. Can fun's over, fun can be overrated too, right? <laughs> this is true. Yeah, you know, it's that like and dislike thing that we get caught in so many times. There can be too much, you know. We've been talking about that, you and I have lately, about the the bliss the bliss train, the bliss bubble, mm-hmm. the meditation colored expanse of <laughs> understanding and you know i don't have the i have i have yet to experience that uh at least not much um, well don't try don't try <laughs> i know that's what you keep telling me especially when i'm like hey i feel like i should take acid because everybody because steve Jobs said you should take acid and like every single artist and musician that i grew up with you know, listening to or reading, took acid. So I'm like, yeah, you have to unlock your inner awesomeness. And to do that, you have to drop drop acid. And then you awesome. have this fantastic enlightened experience and have no idea how to get back there. Yeah, exactly. That's And, um, and then you suffer. <laughs> well, and, you know, that's the thing, right? Like, that's what you've always told me is if you do that, that's, you know, to do it at your own peril because now you've you've chemically sought enlightenment and guess what it's going to feel good and you're going to want to do it over and over again and you have no idea the the road to get back there when you when you come upon it in your own journey then it's really the same place but you know the way because you've walked the path so when you you know when you get knocked knocked off you know knocked off your your shoes you can pick yourself back up and resume the journey you know the the experience you're not gonna yeah that's it that's an interesting it's a it's the thing i ponder in my head uh although i buy into the the idea of that certainly and i you know, the, the question for me would be, is it, is it, it's a real experience because you're there and you're in it, but is it really real? Because you've in, chemically induced it. You've not, you, like you said, you've not taken the path there. You've simply like skipped ahead. Right. Um, so, you know, is it really reaching enlightenment if you have some, you know, mind-altering experience i suppose probably in in an enlightened experience but you know keeping that turned on after the substance is out of your system i think would be difficult 
Well, it'd be impossible. Of course it would. That's why people um, have issues with addiction for any number of things is the feeling, sure. the experience. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's a, it's an interesting proposition. I'm after, I'm not after, I would not be after. And to be clear, I don't do drugs or use drugs. Uh, I'm, that's not even in my lexicon, but I'm just fascinated by this whole thing. And <laughs> it, it, you know, it's not, I don't have in my head that my intent is to skip the hard way or shortcut or just do it. And so now I've reached it and then I'm done. Like that's not in my head at all. Uh, I just want to know what it feels like someday. Maybe we'll see who knows. It would be troublesome to mess up <laughs> the, if, if such a thing can happen to mess up the, the years and the, of work and intent and effort like we were talking about before of you know being on this path and being mindful and wise and it would it would suck if it messed that up man (laughs) it would suck oh that'd be terrible that's kind of an unknown isn't it Mm -hmm. sure it is that you know i'm i'm like captain safety though like i'm not I'm not one to do, um, you know, risky stuff. <laughs> so it's, yeah. you know, it's probably not my, you know, it's not as enticing to me. I, I think I'm curious what it might be like, um, but not curious enough for me to commit to checking it out. And I'm pretty okay <laughs> on the path that I'm, yeah. that I'm on. Yeah. But you know, you know, I've I've been thinking though, like there's a, you know, this tendency and I have a tendency. So I'm just going to say it's my tendency to do that thing where I try to advance my experience. And I'm not talking about meditative. I'm talking about life experience I start setting goals and in the goal setting I start to pick apart my being myself and I need to lose weight and I need to do this and I I should get healthier doing that I should I should learn yoga I should (laughs) And I do a little bit of yoga, but, you know, I'm not uh, a, uh, you know, 365 practitioner by, by any stretch of the imagination. I do five exercises for five breaths and that's, that's my experience and that's uh, okay for me. But I tend to make a long laundry list of things to change and as a result of that, I have a graveyard of failed goals. Yeah. I visit them sometimes, pay my respects, <laughs> lay flowers. <laughs> sorry about your sorry about your bad luck, but I don't dwell there long. And I used to dwell there a lot. And th- instead of sort of taking things off the, the list. I would keep them on and try to, I don't know, 
guilt myself into accomplishing the list. But the thing shifted for me when I started practicing with Lama Suryadas and learning the Dzogchen teachings. So I remember in one of the retreats, I grabbed my notebook and I would sometimes, you know, as his retreat manager, so sometimes something would come to me in the middle of a retreat where I needed to remember to do something. So my notebook was mostly there for that. Um, I tried to pay attention more than I made notes. But, you know, sometimes as I do now, I'll be in meditation and something maybe even profound will come to me. And I just, I jot it down and then I get back to, you know, get back to my practice. So I usually keep like a little hand notebook and I wrote down on my notebook, you already got the job, now act like it. And then right after it, I wrote, you are the Buddha, stopped acting like an asshole. <laughs> uh, right? Right. <laughs> right. I would let, it's the perfect time to beat everybody over the head with my favorite story. I will not. But be like, you know, <laughs> act like Buddha, be like Buddha. Be like Buddha. Be Buddha. Act Buddha, be Buddha. That's the better way to put it. It's important to kind of keep reminding ourselves that, though, that we have, yes, you know, within us the ability to be in enlightenment and act within enlightenment. Is that what is that what that is? Is that enlightenment? Act like Buddha. Act Buddha. Be Buddha. Is that enlightenment? Well, I would say it's a combination of, you know, through this Zochen lens, it's allowing yourself to see everything, including yourself, in the natural state. So when you see things as they are. You can act accordingly. So for me, like the this lens allows me to see things as they are. And it shows me that all things are in their natural state. And that means that I only need to see and understand, I should say, all I need to do is see and understand what they are and what's happening so that I don't entangle myself in a habitual exercise of trying to change something just so that it suits me. No. So then I don't have an unrealistic expectation of a result of my controlling or, or manipulative actions. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it, can you explain it a little bit? Do you have an example? Wow, don't put me on the spot, Dan. <laughs> um, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. I have some more questions too, but... Oh, well, um, I want to answer that one. So, so for instance, um, uh, say a relationship with another person. Um, 
romantic and or otherwise, could be a friendship, could be a relative, in your expectation, you lean into that, that person by their role. And you look at them with an expectation that you are going to get a specific relationship with them right so maybe a you know a romantic relationship that you want to you know be uh fully supported by that person that you want to you know you're their biggest or they are your biggest fan and that is an unrealistic expectation right because so, so like my significant other we love each other and a person that loves me like this in this intimate special relationship would never tell me they're disappointed with me. Right. Cause I, cause I didn't wash the dishes or say that they didn't like your behavior or yeah. Or just be cranky and gotcha. not pleasant. So, yeah. you know, if I see this human as another human that's operating you know, in these human conditions and having a human experience just as I am, then I have the, I have the ability to understand them through understanding myself. And therefore, if someone had that expectation of me, that I would always be in a specific role and always provide a specific thing to the relationship, that feels unrealistic that I don't think I can do that all the time. I'm sure going to do my, you know, I'm going to try my best, but that doesn't mean that it's going to result in that specific way. So, and this, this will lead back to one of the questions I had, but you're, you're essentially describing this idea that we're all the same and the way I understand that is not that we're all the same, like we're all human or we're all white or black or from, you know, uh, New Zealand or Puerto Rico or Missouri, right? <laughs> uh, like all the same that literally all life is the same. Right. 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 That's what you're talking about. Right. We all come from the same thing, but you know, you know, it can go deeper than that. It can go, you know, even more relative than that, that, okay. you know, I'm a, I am a human having you know, a human experience. Right. So that includes things like agitation, frustration, um, physical, pain or discomfort, um, sleeplessness, hangriness, <laughs> you know, when you're so hungry that you're angry, hangry, that those are all experiences that I have. And when I can see that in other people, I know that they're not going to be one thing all the time because I'm not one thing all the time. So we're also the same experience, right? The same in sort of reality our body our our presence in the world in the universe in the in the all allness right individual allness. experiences but experiencing facets of the same thing we're all in the same thing everybody suffers everybody suffers and everybody has joy 
maybe just a little bit somewhere. Yeah. But neither is the goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the, and see therein lies the rub, right. For me, uh, in my, in my experience of practicing now, I've, I actually am pretty good about this, but I'm very cognizant of it because you mentioned, you touched on this earlier, having a goal of reaching enlightenment is a, is a dangerous place to be <laughs> because you know, you're no longer, if, if you're, if you're playing baseball uh, or football or whatever sport, if, if you're playing baseball and your goal is to win the game, you have to, you still have to throw every pitch. Right. And every pitch needs to be as good a pitch you can make it that will ultimately win the game. Right. But if you're only sitting there thinking we should just win the game, I'm going to win the game. I want to win the game. I've visualized it. I've meditated. I, I have a counselor and they, you know, I learned how I could do it. Um, you still have to sit down and do the work to get there. Right. For sure. And if you're focused on the goal, the outcome, the final result, how do you focus on what you're doing right now? This is a, a good place to kind of talk about, you know, the, the Zochen idea of swooping while climbing. So this is yes, the example yes. of, so the swooping idea is that we have this, you know, there's this part of us that has this view of ultimate reality so we're at like a 30,000 foot view looking down kind of you know google maps style satellite style and we can see the whole terrain as it is i know that's there and that's there and these all things are all interconnected they're all part of one big view but then there's also this relative reality that is our feet on that very ground. And both are happening simultaneously, spontaneously and simultaneously. So, you know, to answer your question, I think, you know, in, in preparation, it's our 30,000 foot view. And then we can swoop with precision we can swoop down to where we want to be and then our feet have to be on the ground in action so this enlightened activity comes from that full understanding opening the door of ultimate reality because we're pretty much as humans we are focused on our relative existence. So it's, you know, this body that does, you know, this body that needs to lose weight, this body that needs goals, this body that needs sleep and water and, and food and whatever. I don't know what else the body needs, but. <laughs> air, air, air and, yeah, and water and like protein and fat and so we get so stuck in the in that part and it's easy to do that because it's so close right so it's so close so close and bearing down on us and it just feels like oh i'm never going to get through fixing all of the you know all the leaks and <laughs> creaks and drips and <laughs> whatever's going on that we don't pay attention to the bigger view what so do you think 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, no, I was going to ask you, what do you think, and I know asking why is sort of a thing, but what do you think it is about the human experience that makes it hard to do that? And especially, man, when you're in a situation, being able to step back and, you know, picture yourself like you, you're right in the middle of a thing. You know, the bulldozer's there and they're tearing down the redwood tree and <clears throat> it's a it's a thing. You just, you want to stop it. It's an emergency. And all you can do is focus on that, that just the right in front of you. How, how in the world can you get in that moment and then appreciate the view? Or are you supposed to? Do they happen simultaneously? Do they happen separately? Yeah, I think, you know, in enlightened activity, they happen simultaneously. Yeah, so right. Lama Suryadas often says, in the ultimate sense, nothing matters. And in the relative sense, where we live, everything matters. So when we can see that the tree is impermanent, that's ultimate understanding, right? But right. when we have the grieving for the tree because it's beautiful and we don't want it to be bulldozed down, that's relative and, and meaningful and not to be ignored, but also to understand and there's, you know, that's the, that's three of the Dharma gates right there. The interconnectedness, the impermanence, and the suffering. These are all always in the mix. You know, that's a, that's a really lovely way to say it. And of course, I'm familiar with it because you say that, that to us all the time, everything, nothing matters and everything matters. And it's, but, but that's how it works, right? Like you see the tree, you're there, you've protested, you're, you're in, you're committed, you've spent, spent uh, your energy and your time and you're, you've chained yourself to it and they cut the chains and they got a court order and it's a giant thing. And now you have to watch it happen. And that in that moment, you absolutely, to relieve your own suffering, the suffering of the loss, the suffering of the, the battle, the suffering of the destruction, you have to, if, you, if that's the time you need the view, that's the time you need to step back and say, wait a minute, we are all interconnected. The tree is impermanent anyway. Right. And if you can, if, if you can gain that awareness in the moment, well, that changes your entire experience, right? And it's not that you're going to find joy in that situation. It's not, you know, that's not what we're saying at all. It's, it's understanding that it's a tree and I'm also having a human experience that I'm sad or angry that my efforts were not rewarded. You know, that's a that's a tough one right there too is that we yeah. have we have yeah. you know i here's another thing i always say but if you have expectations you're going to be disappointed right so and, look into and yeah. understand what expectation really means instead of really just going into every situation thinking 
I'm going to win. I should win. And I'm going to get what I want. And then you don't. And then you're mad because you didn't get what you wanted. Then you've really just set yourself up for suffering. Instead, if I see, you know, if I can just take a a second and see, here's what I desire and here's why. And I've, and I've considered all other beings. Let's throw that into the the mix because, you know, that's part of, you know, you know, the Mahayana track that we are in action for the benefit of all beings. So when I look at whatever's going on and I know that my intention is altruistically generous and I have ethical discipline checking in that I know what's going on, right? And that I'm not doing it as a transaction. I'm not transactionally just trying to win, which, you know, a lot of us are trained to do. You're a lawyer. You're trained to win, right? And when that doesn't happen, then we are rocked. We're devastated in whatever way. And, you know, that manifests, you know, for different people in different ways. But if I go in with the understanding of what all the parameters are, because I've taken the breath and taken the, the journey of awareness and tried to understand everyone's perspective. And then I was in positive action to do what I felt should be done. And then I also have to release my grip on what I think the outcome has to be. That's enlightened activity. Doing the best that we can for the benefit of ourselves and all other beings, and then letting go of the result. That's hard. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you think so? We, I mean, literally, at least, you know, it's not fair for us to say this or me to say this because I'm by far no cultural or societal expert by any stretch. But so, so, but I will say in my experience growing up in a suburban town in America in the 70s and 80s, I was very clear you do your work, you follow the rules, and this is what you get in return. You get a passing grade in the class you get a certificate you get uh you know a trophy if you win the league you you are always rewarded and you know exactly i mean we are bombarded with expectation bombarded we're we are taught i'd go so far we're taught to live in that right i mean think about it especially now that I'm thinking through it, man, when you, when you look at our political climate, it, it, there's a, such a big part of it that, that's, you know, based on money and economics and disparity. But we are taught and people still expect, well, that person's poor. They just didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Right. It, meaning... If you go out there and you dig the best ditch on the planet every day for 40 years, somehow you're then going to be on equal footing with the billionaire. You know, the, 
the saying and I just rolled my eyes. So I don't know if you can hear that, but (laughs) (laughs) I just rolled my eyes because, you know, they say you can't buy happiness, right? So there are people who are living in poverty that are much happier than many, many people. So having a, you know, having a clear view of what's happening and even a gratitude for what you do have. And, you know, we'll go back to that precious human life teaching that, you know, we start with gratitude for this opportunity to be in this vessel, this body, having this life, being able to feel and sense and taste everything that we can. It's a precious and rare opportunity. So we shouldn't squander it. I'm going to put you on the spot again because you said the H word. (laughs) So when I hit enlightenment, when you have a moment of enlightenment, are you happy? Is happiness enlightenment? Do you mean, is that the goal? (laughs) Right? No, happiness is not the goal. It can be an outcome, but it's not the goal. Yeah. I think that's important to, to talk about and there may not be much else to say about it, but for me, it's important because it's easy to look at enlightenment as the goal. It's, as we've said, it's easy to uh, think, it's easy to think in terms of happiness or sadness. Right. And you would think that since enlightenment's the goal, that happiness would then, you know, I'll be happy. I'll just be jolly. I'll be, you know, the Dalai Lama, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, there's these, these wise the Buddhists that are so much fun, uh, they smile all the time, but they laugh all the time. You know, they all have the fun with, well, that's our, yeah, right. Of course, that's an exaggeration. Yes. So but they don't, they don't shy away from it. That's right. What, I mean, they don't, they're not scared of it. Right. When they laugh, they laugh. Yeah. And when they cry, they cry. It just is what it is. It's, it's honoring the, even the experience of the emotion and honoring that that is an emotion arising within this experience. And that's okay. It's not, it's not that we need to push it away or change it. That again is an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation. Why not grieve when you need to grieve? You know, I cry more than I ever have in my life. And, you know, I came from people who, when emotion arose, there was a jaw clenching and a tightening and you don't, you're not welcome to let it out. It's not, it's not where it belongs. Push that crap down, put it back where, you know, put it back where it came from. And I can, you know, I can picture my parents upset and grieving with their jaws tight and, you know, holding it in, holding it back. And I did that for a long time. I have this thing and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Dan, but like I love to see people in their joy and their element. So when I see 
I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a theater nerd. Like I love, you know, I love a good musical. I love good theater. I love to see people acting. I love to see people singing and dancing and it, the emotion starts arising with me and I get teary and like, you know, my parents come out and the, my jaw tightens and I'm trying to hold it in and I'm just experiencing the joy of seeing that person in their talent, in their practice, in their, in their joy. And I don't hold it back anymore. And luckily my, my husband's kind of the same and will be, you know, bawling, watching something on TV. And it's, you know, it's okay in our home where I spent more than half my life clinching clinching emotion and pushing it down it's not it's not honored at that point honor the the emotion and i feel so much joy i need to cry cry on <laughs> cry on but i cry at the news and i cry at the you know <laughs> i cry i cry at commercials do you, remember the, do you remember the the coffee commercial was it was it Maxwell House or something where, you know, Peter comes home for Christmas? Oh. And Peter, Peter's home. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I'd watch that commercial five times in a row and cry every time. <laughs> Peter a, came home. Well, the one everybody knows is the Sarah McLaughlin uh, dog one. The dogs and the, I mean, you can't even watch that. Who can watch that from start to finish? In the arms of All right, that's enough. Right. <laughs> no, that's enough, I know, Sarah. I know, I know. Holy cow. I'm getting teary-eyed. I was, I was just thinking about that. Uh, you know, my grandpa was really, really important to me. And, you know, when I was little and I had to, I'd stay with them. My, I lived right across the street and... So I was, I was fairly young and they would watch me, but my grandpa would come home uh, from work. He did uh, physical manual labor and he'd lay on the couch and I'd lay there with him. And then like I got old enough and didn't do that anymore. And then I didn't hug him again until I, I don't even remember, like maybe when I graduated from law school, like we are not a touchy feely uh type of thing now there's a lot of anger thrown around <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of yelling and fighting and you know but but that, maybe because there's not enough hugging <laughs> of course yeah. of course that's always the reason and um but you know i really i i i really with my cousin's got some kids and i'm really close to them and i i make sure and of course i'm a touchy feely style of person kind of anyway but um I, I try to make sure with them to, you know, let them know that I love them and, and, you know, I'm here for them and, yeah. you know, just, just try to have a, bring that into their lives a little bit, just that it's okay. Like it's okay. Like you said, to be in the emotion, it's okay. Yeah. And that is relative reality. That is what are you experiencing right now? Right. And then, you know, the other side of it is ultimately knowing all things are impermanent and interconnected. Yeah. And we all suffer. And you know what? I think people experience that. You know, they're, 
you have you have experiences in life that, that you just feel something and you're not quite sure what it is you know these experiences right uh, not you know that there is something that binds us all together right and it and it is innately in us like we can innately tell that you have these moments with people when you do connect and there's just good luck describing it but it is a thing where you can tell that you're just on the same same wavelength with somebody right you're just in sync in tune you are you know, your paths are crossing or parallel at that point. And, right. you know, I, maybe that's, maybe that's, uh, maybe we really can feel it. Maybe we can. Of course we can. Yeah. Of course we can. And, and, you know, on the other side of that too, we know when someone is not on our path and, yeah. you know, may not be the, the best connection. So, you know, we move away where it's not warranted you know, and connect where we can connect. But understanding that person is not on the same wavelength that I am on. However, we're all interconnected. Right. You know, it's not a judgment. It's not a, you know, it's not, it's not giving them shade. Like it's just understanding that person is having a different experience than I am. Part of it is this, this path, you know, when we start tapping into that jeweled key to the golden door, you know what that key is made out of, right? Tell me. Awareness. Yeah. Awareness. But it's not everything. So, you know, I often say that enlightenment is, a, is awareness, but it's, it's beyond that. It's, you know, actually opening the big gold door with the jeweled key of awareness. And putting into action that wisdom from seeing things as they are the compassion and wisdom always working together compassionate that that person is not in the same space i'm in i mean we're physically in the same space but we're not thinking in the same way they're not thinking with awareness they're thinking from relative existence which many people are so, you know, it's, it's sometimes easy now at this point to get, you know, walk into a room and see those who work in a state of awareness. And it doesn't have to be on a Buddhist path, but if you're, you know, working your own game with the tools that awareness provides, then you are coming from a place of understanding. It's practice, right? You it's practice. so much practice. You practice and practice and you walk about the walk about the world and you practice having the thirty thousand foot view while you're walking. Right. While you're sitting, while you're and, riding. And that your happens bike. in contemplation. So when we contemplate, when we take that 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 exercise of sitting down and contemplating, that person made me angry. I felt you know, the emotion of anger arise when I was around that person. And then just taking that contemplative step back to understand where my anger came from, what really made me angry. I can't control him. Even, you know, even if I plead my case, you should see it this way. 
and that individual doesn't see it my way. In fact, they dig in even more. I get angry, right? So pulling back and really examining what is my anger about, then you'll also understand when you discover what your anger is about, you will also discover what their anger is about. There is no difference. It's not the real why. It's not, oh, his mommy was mean to him or he you know, grew up without parents or he was raised by wolves or whatever, it, whatever, you know, whatever the, the story tells. That's not the reality. When you get to the base of what makes you emotional, what makes you angry, what makes you frustrated, what brings rage, what brings violence, that you will then understand all other people, all other people. And you can have compassion and wisdom toward those other people that we are inseparably interconnected with. Yeah. I always think of the John Lennon song, you know, Imagine. Yeah, that's my favorite song, right? Yeah, it's beyond. It's about as good as you think you could get in a pop song about Buddhism. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, imagine all the people, like, we, but you can, like, we can do that. You can. We can do the song. That's the whole thing. We can live in peace. We can love each other. We can, uh, be one it doesn't feel like it we're gonna we all get we get bombarded with everything that says it's impossible and will never happen as a as a whole but boy you can do it for yourself you absolutely can you already got the job of being you now lean in lean into being you authentically you and and it's it's body, speech, and mind. This is, you know, this is Powell. This is, you know, Ron Powell is, you know, this is my body. This is my speech. This is my mind. All working together in authenticity because I'm not trying to put on airs. I'm not trying to control or manipulate. You know, sometimes I am. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm trying to push my will with my husband because I want, you know, Thai food and he wants Indian or, you know, or something like that. So I'm, I might use some powers of manipulation there or negotiation (laughs) at least, (laughs) but it's all in context, understanding and, and frankly, having a little bit of humor about it, not being so serious Right about, you know, and even enlightenment is not about being so serious. It's finding your native humor, your, your natural state of being. Yeah. Letting go, letting be. That's the obstacles, the past, the things that you think you've done that are screw-ups, your moments of manipulation or negotiation or, or monkeying with. Look, those are all important to your path. Everything that happens like that, every, every distraction is a learning experience. Hey, look over here. Uh, you can be aware right now. Right. Do you want to be? Right. You want to be aware? Right. You know, the old three amigos, look up here, look up here. 
<laughs> look up here, look up here. You know? Do you want to pay attention? Are you going to pay attention? I'm here for you. Right. Well, think about the obstacles that we, that we throw in the way too. You know, we just, we'll dis, you know, we see that thing that makes us uncomfortable and then we'll hide behind an excuse and go, that's just who I am. I'm never going to, I don't think I'm ever going to be like that. <laughs> like how many times have you heard? Oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Smith. I'm a Smith. We're just like that. That's just what we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, no, I come from, I come well around here. I come from the hill. I come from the hills. <laughs> I come from the, I'm from the Ozarks. That's not, how, that's not how we do things. That's right. That ain't how, that ain't how stuff works around here, boy. <laughs> uh, oh, I've, no. I've heard that. I mean, in a, in very serious context. I've I know. That. I have as well. I have it. Uh, absolutely. But it's, yeah. you know, it's excuses. It's excuses yeah. to dig in and, you know, that's not, that's not wisdom and that's not compassion. It's not understanding. It's not, you know, it's not right view. And we know from our position that that person is only going to change their view when they're going to change their view. We've done work, you know, we've done a lot of work at this point. You know, in our in our short lives, because we've seen the benefit of it, we've seen the benefit of enlightened activity when we are compassionate and wise to our own position as well as others. And sometimes you just have to back away. That's you know that entangling with that person is not good for either one of us. It's just going to be a a battle of sorts and that's not yep. where we need to be yes that doesn't get you any further down the path either one of you right. yep. remember that enlightenment is always spontaneously accomplished spontaneously with the natural state of whatever's happening the natural state of the occurrences the phenomenon it just happens. It happens in this moment. It doesn't happen because we turned a key. It doesn't happen because we sat in a specific pretzel position on a specific stool facing a specific direction. It's with our intention that we are open-minded and that we are naturally in our own beingness that that occurs. The jeweled key to the golden door is awakened awareness, but it's behind the door that the being begins. You already got the job of being, so own the experience of your own natural body, natural breath and energy, and your natural heart-mind. Stop craving and chasing the thing that is right here, right now. Just be awake, aware, liberated, whole, and complete right now. Thanks, Dan, for being here and sharing your wisdom. And thanks to all our listeners. With a special shout out to our new friends in Australia 
and around the world. We see you and we love you. Oh, well, thanks as always for the time. Don't forget, you are Buddha. And folks, remember to meditate as fast as you can. Bye now.